This morning is the last in a series that we have been looking at over the past three months about cultural issues and how we as Christ followers engage people in culture related to those issues. Some of them have been quite controversial. In fact, frankly, let's face it, most of them have been. We live in difficult times. The scripture gives us good instruction not just today, but throughout the centuries, how to engage with people out there that he calls us to witness to. This morning, in the last of those, it, it may not seem like a big cultural issue, but I think that it is. Uh, it has to do with generations. How many generations do we have in our midst this morning? Probably five. Five. You know, sociologists have done a great job over the past uh, couple of decades in dissecting and analyzing and categorizing and differentiating between the generations. We have in our midst builders. That's the kind of World War II generation and a little after that. They helped to build America, build the interstate system, build all the infrastructure during and after World War II. Then you come down to my generation, the boomers. I'm not gonna go through the dates, most of you know what they are. Yeah. And then we have the, uh, what's next? Gen X, and then the millennials, and then the Gen Zs. That tells me the Lord's about to come again pretty soon. We've run out of letters, you know. Then we'll start with the Greek alphabet and then, so, but, um, you know, and that's fine. I understand it. Each generation does have a slightly different characteristic in nature. And frankly, with some differentiated values. Yeah. And there's enough room, I think, for those values to differentiate a bit and still would be within biblical guidelines. But one of the problems that we've discussed in the past three months is with each one of these cultural issues, they have created division in our nation. And we need to be bridge builders. Christ followers need to be bridge builders in all of these issues. Not polarizers, but we also need to be prophetic. We need to speak the word of God. And sometimes that ha does have a bit of a polarizing effect. You know, when you think about the generations, I think uh, when you look at the history of Israel and when you look at the New Testament church, both, there is not a great differentiation between generations. In fact, God calls us to be an intergenerational people. That's one reason why here at Gambrel Street, we do not have our children continue an extended session up until they uh, get to adolescence and have their own, quote, children's church. We do have extended session, but we believe that our children, as soon as possible, uh, that they would be in here, that they would worship together with us. We believe in being intergenerational because we think that's what Scripture models for us. At the same time, there's a crisis that faces America, and it has to do with generation, generational difference. And in fact, values and economics. And it has to do with elder care. 
We face a crisis in the future. Right now, there are 56 million Americans that are over the age of 65. I are one. Within the next uh, dozen years or so, that number is going to swell to just under 80 million, 78 million. And for the first time in American history, those elders are going to outnumber the children. Over half of the elders in America over the next 10 or 15 years are going to need some kind of extended long-term elder care. And you know, America, the United States, is one of only two developed nations that doesn't have an insurance system built into their government for long-term elder care. And that means that most of the responsibility for taking care of elders rests upon family and friends. But that's exactly the way it was in Israel. Uh, that responsibility is a rather burdensome thing. You know, the cost of private health care, not subsidized by the government, is very, very expensive. And the costs are rising to the point that it is becoming not affordable health care, but very unaffordable health care. You know, the median income for a household age 65 or above, so what I'm talking about is the household, not just individuals, in America in 2021 was $47,000 per annum. But when you look at the cost of private health care, it far exceeds that. For one person to have home health care full-time runs about $60,000. For ha to have skilled nursing, it runs anywhere from the mid-90s to the mid-hundred, $108,000 for a private room. It's very expensive, and I know that many of you know that very well. There's another issue that faces us, and that is elder abuse. Sometimes intentional, often not intentional. One in 10 Americans last year over the age of 60 suffered some kind of elder abuse. Five million of these Americans that I spoke about earlier. And it ranges the kind of elder abuse it is. Sometimes it's physical or even amazingly sexual. Often it is emotional or verbal kind of psychological abuse. Sometimes it's simple neglect. Sometimes it's abandonment. Often it's financial fraud. And that's unconscionable, taking advantage of elders like that. But last year, fraud and elder abuse ran to $36 billion. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. Probably about one in, only about one in 25 cases of elder abuse is reported. So we have a real problem in America. 60% of this abuse comes from family members and two thirds of those are children of those elders. So what's the biblical response to these crises? We've had a biblical response for each one of these issues. It's very simple. We go to the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, verse 12. It's very succinct. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. Very simple. One of the shortest commandments. Very succinct. You know, it's interesting. The Ten Commandments were to be taught by whom? 
by the parents to the children. Who is the primary audience of the Ten Commandments? It's the parents. It's the adults. Parents were to teach their children the Ten Commandments, and the children certainly were to obey. So it applied to the children, but this is very important. The primary audience for the Ten Commandments was the adult population of Israel. That's especially important when we come to commandment number five. Why? Because this focuses on us, friends, as adults. So when it says that we're to honor our father and our mother, we teach this to our children and they should honor us as parents, but it also says the same thing to whom? To us, to us as adults. You know, in parallel text, the second giving of the law in Deuteronomy 5 extends this not just to your days being prolonged, but to the well-being of Israelites. It says, honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you, that your days may be prolonged, there it is, and that things may go well for you in the land which the Lord your God has given you. And the Levitical code in Leviticus 19 from which we read earlier before the worship service started. It connects this command with Sabbath observance. It says, let every one of you, every one of you shall revere his father and his mother, and you shall keep my Sabbaths. Thus saith the Lord, I am the Lord. What this does is it broadens the principle and it connects it with the Sabbath And a little bit later in that chapter, it extends not just to parents, not just to fathers, not just to mothers, but this principle applies to all elders in our society. Leviticus 19.32 says that we should rise up, you shall rise up before the gray-headed and honor the aged, honor the elders, and, and you shall revere your God, for I am the Lord. There's a connection. There's a connection between many things and honoring our parents in Scripture. It's a pivotal command in the Ten Commandments. It's placed right in the middle of the two tables. You know, most scholars will divide the Ten Commandments into two tables. The the first table, whether you want to say the first four or the first five commands, are vertical in their relationship. We know that. They have to do with our relationship with, with God. And they really are subdivisions of the great commandment and that is we are to do what to love the lord our god with all of our heart with all of our mind with all of our soul with all of our strength the second table then whether you want to start with number five or number six and go to the end has to do with our human relationships and of course those are horizontal and they are an explication they are an explanation then of the second great commandment found in leviticus 19 And of course, that is that we're to do what? We're to love our neighbor as ourselves. They have to do with our social relationships. And in this division of the two tables, however you want to divide them, this command is found at the hinge point. At the hinge point. You know, table two has to do with social relationships. So some scholars would say that this command, honor your father and your mother, has to do with social stability, harmony, and human relationships. Others would include it as the last one of table one, that we honor our parents because they are what? They are representatives of the God whom we love. 
After all, in Leviticus 19, from which we quoted earlier, we have this combination put together. We are to show reverence to God and we're to honor parents. Leviticus 19 says that we're to revere, and it's interesting, it starts with a mother. Revere your mother and father, and that's the same word that is used for how we honor God, to revere God. And I'll say it again from Leviticus 19.32, the previous Levitical command that we just quoted, it connects these two things. It connects honoring our parents with revering God. Listen to the word of God again. You shall rise up before the gray-headed and honor the aged, and you shall revere your God. I am the Lord. In Leviticus 19, it also links this command to honor our parents with other commands in the Decalogue and the Ten Commandments. Leviticus 19, 3 through 4, which we read earlier. Every one of you shall reverence his mother and his father, and you shall keep my Sabbaths. That's an interesting connection there. I am the Lord your God. And it also connects it with a previous command, commandment number, nine, number two, do not turn to idols or make for yourselves molten gods, for I am the Lord your God. You see, the first part of that, verse number three, which I just read, links this command about honoring our parents then with the fourth commandment, and that is the Sabbath. I think that the idea here is the Sabbath was the day not only when Israel came specially on that day to worship the Lord, set it apart for rest, but it also was a time when the parents had more time then to do what? To teach their children. So part of honoring the Sabbath is that parents take, take seriously their responsibility to teach their children the commandments, and the children take seriously their responsibility to obey their parents. But you'll also notice in the second part of that a passage that I read in verse number four, it connects it with the second commandment. That is, you shall not make for yourself an idol. And I think that the idea there is this reverence of parents is a community responsibility. The covenant community of Israel together has a responsibility to obey what their parents teach them. And their parents have taught them that they are not to make graven images, but they are to worship only God. You know, this is one of the on, only, only two of the commandments that is completely positive in nature. The rest are negative in nature except for observing the Sabbath and honoring our parents. And as Paul reminds us in the New Testament and Ephesians, it's the first commandment with a what? With a promise. There's a requirement, but there's also a promise with it. And it's a very unique commandment. When it was given, it was the only set of commandments or it was the only commandment in the Middle Eastern culture that had anything to do with honoring the female. You notice the passage that I just read. It says that we are to re revere, we're to honor our mother and our father. And mother, interestingly, comes first. So about this commandment, let's take a look at it for just a moment. Let's take a look at the structure and the meaning. The structure is very simple. There's a requirement and there's a promise. The requirement is we are told to honor our father and our mother. And the promise is that our days will be prolonged in the land. The requirement to honor is based on a word which means to have gravity, to have weight, to have dignity. Uh, 
We are to give dignity and honor to our parents because they have a weighty influence in our lives. They have authority. God has given our parents authority to teach, an authority and a responsibility to teach. So we should listen. But it also has to do with love, the weighty matter of love. We are to show that we love our parents by obeying what they tell us and by honoring them and returning the love that they have invested in us. For they first loved us because God first loved them. We came into this world not knowing what love is, but we learned love from whom? From our parents. And so this is about returning the love by honoring and obeying and trusting them. And the passage in the Ten Commandments emphasizes this. The, the verb there is intensive. It means really, not just superficially, seriously, honor them as though you mean it genuinely so that your days, and here's the promise, will be prolonged in the land. And of course, the word land there means not just the desert land, not just any common land, but a land that is prosperous, a land that is not wilderness, a land that is fertile, a land that will sustain you, a land that God is taking you to a land that is promised. This is not just any land. This is the promised land. This is a land that he told Abram and then later Abraham, I am going to give this land to your descendants. The promise then that was extended also to Isaac and to Jacob. This is a bountiful land, a land that I intend for you in which to prosper, to enjoy. The land that he told Moses there at Sinai is going to be flowing with what? Milk and honey. And that promise is given four times in the Torah. This is not just any land, but it's a land that is designated to bring prosperity to the people. That, that is a good prosperity gospel in the Old Testament. That keeps prosperity in its right perspective. And this land that you're going into, if you will obey your parents, if you will obey your father and mother, then I promise this, your days will be lengthened. Folks, this doesn't mean that if you obey your parents that you individually are going to live to be 100. That's not what it means. This isn't that each person is going to live a long life. This is a collective idea. It is that the days of Israel are going to be long in this land. That generation after generation after generation, if those generations then honor their parents and obey the law which their parents have taught them, then I promise you, your days in this land, Israel, will be long. They will be, they will be prolonged. This is a promise of national prosperity. And I do think that it continues today. I'm not saying that we're the new Israel, America. I'm not saying that we're a Christian nation, that we're a city set on a hill in a special sort of way, different than all other nations. This is a promise to all nations, that if every nation will honor the Lord their God by honoring their parents and listening to their parents, their days will be prolonged. See, what is being laid down here is that the prosperity and the well-being of a nation does to some degree have to do with a good parent-child relationship. It does have to do with families being healthy. It does have to do with perpetuating those values that God has given us from generation to generation. So when it says to honor your father and your mother, and we think about the coming crisis in our nation and the divisiveness that some people say is between generations, the largest 
population of workers today in America is no longer the baby boomer, certainly not the builder generation, not the baby boomer generation, and folks, in fact, not the Gen Xers. The Gen Xers are beginning to retire. The largest workforce in our nation today is that millennial generation. Hmm. And they do seem to have some different kinds of values. But folks, those values can be biblical and they can be like our values, even though they're differentiated. But what we need to make sure of is that they are biblical. And how do we do that? By an intergenerational connection, by passing on then the word of God to the next generation and the next generation, and by children obeying those injunctions. The reasons for the commandment, I think, are pretty obvious. Honor your father and your mother because they, in fact, are God's representatives. They are the ones that God gave the authority to teach. And just as we honor God as father, we are called to do what? To revere our mother and our dad, our father, our earthly father. Another reason is that they, parents teach their children. They teach them the rules of life. They teach them, hopefully, what the Bible says. They also teach them from experience and give them wisdom. Solomon says in Proverbs, hear my son, your father's instructions. Listen to your father and forsake not your mother's teaching. They pass on the teachings and that's important. They, another reason for it is because they transmit. They don't just teach, but they, they transmit. Israel's parents, mothers and fathers were given the responsibility to pass on the covenant laws. And this, came, this was the second obligation of the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And then we're to, number one, what? Love the Lord our God. But the second command was then that parents were then not just to love the Lord, but also to transmit to them the covenant law. To transmit them the teachings of God. To pass them on. So one reason for this is that parents do pass on the teachings, transmit the teachings of God but also, too, to pass on the national legacy. In Deuteronomy, a little bit later after the Shema, about four or five chapters later, the Lord makes, stresses this. He says, I don't want you just to teach them the, the rules and, and the laws and the guidelines that I'm giving you so that you might prosper. I want you to pass on the legacy. Remind them of the great and mighty acts of God, how you have been delivered. I am the one that has delivered you out of the land of slavery into the promised land. And I want you to pass that legacy on. Parents do this, even today in our nation, to pass on the legacy, not just of this nation, but the legacy of Scripture. Another reason for our honoring our father and mother is that this is foundational. It's rock bottom. It's foundational to social stability. It's essential in building society. After all, procreation, as we said in the second message in this series, procreation is essential to perpetuating the race. Parents having children. And it is our parents. God gave us life, but he gave us life through whom? Our parents. That is foundational, the parent-child relationship in society. And it's necessary for social harmony. Values begin where? Values do not begin in the church. Values do not begin in the, in the schoolroom. Values do not begin in the halls of Congress. Values begin with the word of God that is taught where? In the home. Stable homes with strong and consistent values strengthen society. And the opposite is true. Broken homes, 
Broken homes with weak and inconsistent values destabilize society. This is foundational. The reason that we honor our parents is foundational because this relationship is a permanent thing, this understructure for society. I am still a child. I am still a child of my mother and, and my, my dad who's passed on and is with the Lord. I am still a child and so are you. We are all children. We are all children that bear the teachings, the transmission of the legacy that has been invested in us and we continue to be children of our parents until they pass on into glory. And we should always honor them no matter how old we are. I'm 72. Because I'm 72 and because I, Beverly and I have a daughter who's 41, does that relieve me of my responsibility to honor my mother? Absolutely not. We continue to be children, even in our old age. And this relationship must be sustained. We must continue to honor that if we're going to have an orderly society. It has to do with family solidarity. You know, this was essential to Jewish culture. Family solidarity was at the core of the covenant nation of Israel. Many of Israel's religious ceremonies focused on the family. They celebrated festivals together. They gathered around the table together. They celebrated the Passover meal together and shared it with other families. Most of the sacrifices made in Israel were on behalf of family members. When the high priest went in and offered the sacrifice on the great day of atonement, he did so on behalf of himself and the scripture says explicitly on behalf of his family. You see, this is fund fundamental. It is rock bottom foundational to society. Another reason for this is it's not just Jewish. It's not just Christian. It's not just Judeo-Christian. But many of these social principles are embedded in natural law. In ancient Egypt, Fatahotep, one of the pharaohs long before the days of Abraham put it this way. The duty of filial piety is strictly instilled. The son who accepts his father's words will grow old in consequence of doing so. The obedient son will be happy by reason of his obedience. He will grow old and he will come to favor. You see, prolonged life. In China, Confucius built his whole moral system on the basis of what? Parental authority. Now, one of the disadvantages and problems with that, if we're not careful, we can take it too far and it can lead to, in Confucianism, ancestor worship. So there's some limitations there. In ancient Rome, familial loyalty was at the core of society. It was foundational to the whole political structure. In early Greco-Roman culture, the father of the home was considered to be the family priest. And of course, there's a limitation there. The problem with that is they began to divinize their parents. They began to divinize their leaders and made them into gods. But the point is this. Family solidarity is a natural principle of God's law. Another reason for honoring parents is for self-preservation, for perpetuation of the legacy. You know, this is a community thing. We all prosper as a community when we follow this command. We all prosper when we honor our parents. And also we need to look at it this way. The way we treat our parents today is the way that our children will treat us tomorrow. You see, it's a legacy thing. 
Every nation's ongoing prosperity depends on this intergenerational respect of how we honor our parents and then later how our children honor us as parents. It's just logical. So what are the actions that we take? What do we do about this in order to implement this command to honor our parents? Well, first of all, it's obvious. We obey our parents' guidance. When they teach biblical principles and when they model biblical principles, we must obey them. And it's not just objective rules. It's not do this and don't do that. It's also that we respect their opinions. They have some value. They have been through life's experiences and they have wisdom. Now, this does not mean that we simply become clones. I do not think that. I don't think that means, children, that you're to become a clone of your parents any more than I am a clone of my parents. We are are different. We're unique in God's sight. We have his spiritual thumbprint in our soul. Yes, we're different. Every marriage brings together two families that have slightly different values, and they're blended together into a new family tradition. And as we say at every marriage ceremony, then they form a what? A one flesh relationship in the sight of God, and that family becomes a new creation. Unique, a little bit different maybe than your parents. And children, maybe a little bit different than yours will be when you form a family relationship. This isn't about being clones and being identical with your parents, but you follow their guidance and their teaching. And then when you come together and form a family, you have those values that are godly. And he makes you then into the family he calls you to be. Another action is not just to obey, but to value. Genuinely cherish and value your parents' wisdom based on their years of experience. Another action is to care for aged parents when they can't work, when they need help. It's a key motive of the fifth commandment, I think. This is one of the ideas behind it. You know, remember the commandments were aimed first at the parents. This has to do with social security. I'm not talking about government social security. In Jewish society, how how were parents taken care of? The government didn't step in. It was the families that took care of them, caring for them to the end, making sure that in their old age they are provided for, making sure that the elders are safe and protected, Making sure that we honor their dignity and their values. Though they might be a little bit different. Though the millennials are a little bit different than the Gen Xers are a little bit different than the baby boomers. We still honor each other's values as long as they fit within the biblical construct. And respecting, and this is important, respecting their right to make their own decisions as long as they can do so. You know, Jesus rebuked the scribes and the Pharisees for violating all of this. You know what it was. It was Corban. There were youngsters, children who had pledged their money to the temple, and then it was kept in escrow. That is, they kept it until they finally relinquished it, and it then gave them the privilege of not having to take care of their parents with that money. And you know what Jesus said about that? You are experts who have set aside the commandments of God in order to keep your own tradition. For Moses said, honor your father. And your mother. And Moses went on to say, He who speaks evil of his father and his mother should be put to death. But you say, If a man says to his father and mother, Whatever I have that would help you is Korban. I've dedicated it to the temple. 
That is to say, I've given it to God. You, you are no longer permitted. You no, no, no longer permit that person to do anything for his father or mother. And when you do that, you invalidate the word of God by your tradition, which you have handed down. And then he went on to say this, and you do many things like that. He rebuked those that did not take care of their parents. There should be a respect for all elderly persons. Leviticus 19, which we said earlier, does not just apply this to parents. It has to do with all elders in our society. We're to honor the aged, whether they're parents or not. You know, this is important. How we treat our elders, how any culture treats its elders, is indicative of the health of that society. And then finally, a final act is we're to protect their assets. Very practical thing. We help them as they grow older to manage their bank accounts, to guard their finances, and to protect them so they can have long-term care. And we honor their decisions then after they pass away in their wills to distribute it as they say they wished. And then the promise is that we will have prolonged days. The nature of this promise, as I've said, is collective. It doesn't guarantee that you're going to live to be 100 if you honor your parents, but it does say something about our society and our prosperity. The prosperity of this nation depends on how we take care of our elders. The main point is that, I think, the long-term prosperity of America does depend to a large degree on how much we honor our elders. Commandment four and five are linked to, then, uh, to each other. What does it say? If Israel obeyed commandments four and five, they would prosper in Canaan forever. That is, honor the Sabbath and to honor their parents. Obedience to the whole law is what is called for here. The prerequisite for entering Canaan was, if you will keep this whole law, you will prosper and the nation would benefit. And if you don't, if you do not keep all of these, including taking care of the elders, what is going to happen to you? Eventually, you are going to be dispersed, you are going to lose your nation, and we know that's exactly what happened. So, Let's make a few observations from the New, the New Testament. What does the New Testament say about this? Jesus himself is the best example. Jesus was the prototype, the perfectly obedient son. His earthly parents, Mary and Joseph, he continued in subjection to them. He obeyed them. He came to fulfill his father's will. At his baptism, what did the father say? This is my son, whom I loved, with him I am well pleased. He obeyed his father even to death on a cross. He was an obedient son. And today, I know that he is the ruler of all creation. I know that he is the king of the universe, but he sits on a throne next to the father and he's gonna come again someday. And when he comes again, he is going to then do what? He is going to return that kingdom to his father. He is an obedient son who obeys his father. You know, this respect is to be mutual. It's to be between children and parents. You heard read this morning from Ephesians 6. Olga read the last part of chapter 5 and number 6. And all of that is in the context of mutual submission unto the Lord. And in it, in it, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you, and so that your days may be long upon this earth. 
Colossians says much the same thing in its household code. But this is a mutual obligation, isn't it? It goes on to say, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And so does Colossians, says the same thing. There's a principle of mutual respect here. Mutual respect between generations. And it's found, it's embedded in the Old Covenant. In the Old Covenant, the second commandment is the source of the golden rule, Leviticus 19, 18. And before we started worship this morning, I read from that passage in its context. It's important for us to understand that loving our neighbor, the second command, the whole second part of the Decalogue is invested in this command between uh, to honor parents and for parents to honor children as well. Listen to the words again. You may surely reprove your neighbor, that is permitted, but you shall not incur sin because of him. Don't take vengeance. Do not bear any grudge. And then it says against the sons of your people. But you shall love your neighbor as yourself. What this says to me, friends, is this principle about honoring parents and the relationship between parents and children is a mutual reciprocal relationship. You see, this this passage was that that you, you should not bear a grudge against your fellow Israelites, but don't bear a grudge against the children of your fellow Israelites. What it tells me is that this is a collective responsibility. We're all God's children in his community. And when we bear a grudge or when we sin against somebody, we're sinning against somebody's child as well as the parent. It's a cross-generational thing. This isn't just about honor of children to parents. It's also about respect of parents for children. In other words, respect earns respect. Children, you should obey your parents. You should honor your parents. But one of the reasons that you can do so freely, hopefully, is that your parents respect you and they love you. And they model that respect. They model that in the home. Disobedience to to parents is still a serious matter in the New Testament. It's a vice that is worthy of spiritual death. Slanderers, Paul tells the Romans, haters of God, those who are insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful, they will not inherit the kingdom. And it says, and those that are disobedient to their parents. It's a sign of godlessness, Paul tells Timothy. For men, does this sound like today? For people will become lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, and it goes on and on and on, and they will be disobedient to their parents. That's a new covenant principle, friends, and we live in those days. We need to recover the fifth commandment. It's intergenerational. You see, how we care for our elders reflects the spiritual state of our nation. Let me close with what Paul says to Timothy. Don't sharply rebuke an older man, but rather appeal to him as a father, to the younger men as brothers, the older women as mothers, and the younger women as sisters in all purity. Honor the widows who are widows indeed. 
We are commanded by the New Testament to continue to honor our elders. But if anyone, if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. If there's anybody that is called to honor their elders and to take care of their own, folks, it's Christ's followers. We set the model. The world is watching us. It watches us and how we take care of our elders. And we need to model this in our society today because we live in a society where that is increasingly not the case. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for our parents. We thank you for giving us life through them. We thank you for giving them the authority to teach and to transmit and to model for us godly values. We know that not all parents have honored that obligation as they should. We know that there are some who are listening that may have been raised in homes where they were abused, where they did not have honor, they did not have respect. Father, our prayer is that through your son Jesus Christ and through his witness, through our witness of him, our witness to that command that you have given us in the old covenant and the charge to do so today, that as we go forth, And as we model respect for our elders, that this will return as a basic principle in our society. That we will not so much emphasize the generational differences as we emphasize that one value of taking care of our elders and loving them as we love you. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.